everybody. I'm Tommy D, sports director at the Tennessean, and you are? I am Adam Sparks, Vanderbilt beat reporter at the Tennessean. And we're breaking down the doors. And the doors, the Commodores of Vanderbilt University, will be playing at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And Vandy's going for win number four in a row. They're playing at Neyland, or if you're not from this state, you say Neyland. Yeah, I think it's Neyland. It's Neyland, yeah. It's always been Neyland. Yeah, I, I always get a kick out of the uh, TV commentators when they say "We're live from Nayland Stadium." Yeah, and he you was a general. You can't mess up Dudley Field, but you can mess up Nayland apparently. Right, he was an Army general. That's right. And Vanderbilt's like the Navy Commodore. So this is Army Navy. Is that what you're Pretty saying? Pretty much. This yeah. is the Army Navy game of Tennessee. Well, it is a rivalry game, and uh, it's one that uh, Vandy has won three in a row. Won five out of seven. Both of those are the best marks that they've had, the best run that they've had since the 1920s. So it's barely a rivalry game as far as Tennessee not keeping That's up right. its end. That's right. And it's not always been the case. And I know we'll talk on our other podcast, Breaking Down the Doors, Breaking Down the Scores, about this, but I, I, I feel like this is a game where if Tennessee gets up, uh, I think they pile it on. Um, I, I feel like this is a vengeance-type game for them. Oh, there's a statement they want to make that, that you know, that, that the days of losing to Vanderbilt are over, that we're the superior program in this state and people need to recognize. And so if, when they get their foot on the throat, if they do, I think they will then try to stomp until the windpipe breaks. Yeah, I think UT will. violent imagery. It is, it is. UT will see this as back to the norm if they win this game. And they're a 20, 21 21, point. I think, 21 and a half. Yeah, which, by the way, that – that's a big line. I thought the line would be maybe 14, 15, but they're, 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 they're predicting. I think Vegas sees this as what we're talking about, that they're going to get up and stay up. And you got to know that Vegas is the city where the University of Nevada at Las Vegas is. So they, so they know a little bit about <laughs> Vanderbilt. Right. And Vandy getting upset by UNLV probably shapes a lot of perception. Um, and rightly so. I mean, they don't have a lot to hang their hat on this year, except they beat Missouri at home. Yeah, on paper, this is a three-touchdown win by Tennessee, which is how Vegas is seeing it. The The counter to that is it's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry week. And, you know, back the, fir- the first one of this three-game three, uh, three stretch where Vandy's won three in a row, the first one was 2016, where UT was going to the Sugar Bowl, and Vandy had five wins. They were going to go to the Sugar Bowl. They, they didn't. Won. They didn't if, go to the Sugar Bowl, right? If they had won, they went to the Music City Bowl. Right. Uh, There's Vandy, some trivia. V- Vandy had five wins. It, it, what, what I'm saying is, Vandy was a worse team. They beat UT, and that's been. And they didn't just beat them. They beat them by eleven in that game. The next year they beat them by eighteen, and last year it was twenty-five. So these are not fluke wins. No, and so you can look at that and say, well, this is going to be closer than that. And Derek Mason, I think, is leaning on that idea that the old. You throw the records out when these two teams get together. I asked him I'm, about that. I'm glad you said that right, because some people say you throw the record books out. Yeah, that's Well, not- the record books is where you keep all the records. So, like, you know, the most yardage in a game and that kind of thing. Well, you don't throw all that out. That's no, like, you keep those, that. Those stay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, we have to start over. Your record no longer counts. Well, I asked um, Derek Mason the other day after they uh, they blew out ETSU about using his big three, Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalaj Lipscomb, Jared Pinckney. They, they used them well in that game. For the first time, they used all three this year. Can I throw out some trivia? Because I thought it. this was interesting because Lipscomb and Pinckney caught passes on back-to-back plays for the first time all season. Yeah. Well, Pinkney didn't have a catch for three games, so... 
Do you just think somewhere along the line that would have happened? happened. Yeah. It did not happen until the the last game of the season. Which is why they're three and eight. Right. (laughs) But I ask him about that. If that, well, has that turned the tide? Can you get these guys involved suddenly now? And. And he, he he talked about how things could be different in this game. And here was Derek Mason's answer to that question. Yeah, um, you know, we're going to do whatever we can, you know, to make sure Pink, Kalaja, and, 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 and this group of receivers, uh, you know, gets the football. You know, I mean, uh, rivalry week is coming, you know, I mean, as we well know. And, you know, all bets are off. I mean, you got to you got to you got to open up I mean, your playbook. You got to throw, you know, everything that you have. You know, I'm into it, and that's what this week will be about. It'll be about you know finding ways and opportunities, uh, you know, creative ways to get these guys the ball. You know, there's enough guys offensively, uh, you know, like for us to, to to hopefully find creative opportunities, man, to to make sure that those guys touch it. But Pink had a great game today, um, and he obviously he was targeted, and he had opportunities. Um, you know, should should have had a couple more catches, uh, uh, in my opinion. But you know, when you look at it, man, we. We got more than enough to clean up, so we'll clean it up. So in a rivalry week, he said, all bets are off. And that there's some validity to that, all bets are off, that, you know, you throw the kitchen sink in there, you, you, you bring in whatever gadgets you can. And I will say, Vandy, at the last few weeks, they haven't had that much success of it, but they've had a double pass that Cam Johnson threw. They've done some wildcat. They've done some end arounds where they've tried to use the threat of uh, of Keyshawn Vaughn between the tackles to set up an end around. They used the play action pretty well the other day to get Jared Pinkney open. I don't know how much of that was better play calling, how much of that was ETSU, though. I want to see a flea flicker. Okay. I think you give it to Vaughn up the middle. You got a chance there. There's a couple of guys with speed, and Riley Neal does have an arm to throw that. Yeah, he can throw a deep ball. Yeah. And and you would think that, that you know, the whole purpose of flea flickers is get the safeties to step up. Yes. Because they read run, and they're going to have to respect Keyshawn Vaughn. If they respect nothing about Vanderbilt otherwise, they will respect what Keyshawn Vaughn can do because he's as good a back as they've seen pretty much. I mean, you can yes. maybe argue that there's one or two in the SEC better than him that, that Tennessee has played, but yeah, they, they will – their game plan coming in will be stop that guy. And I, I guess it depends on which Tennessee team that Vandy plays. If they face a Tennessee team that – Lost bit, Georgia State. Lost to Georgia State. Or I was even thinking the secondary that that bit on that uh, deep ball in the, L, in the BYU game early on. That's the type of team you could set that stuff up against. Mm-hmm. That's not the secondary UT has had the last five games. Nigel Warrior has played great the uh, – uh, their corners have been good, even in the linebacking court. Really Batuli's good job been against good. Kelly Bryant this past week, yeah, against Missouri, which does at least have a real quarterback. Yeah, that defense has turned a corner. That team has turned a corner. So, really, Vandy has to hope that they get a tight Tennessee team, a an undisciplined Tennessee team, because they want so badly to beat Vandy. Maybe they lose their focus a little bit. That's what Vandy has to have, and Vandy has to have an enormous game from Keyshawn Vaughn. Absolutely, and one thing I, I mentioned when I was at the game this past Saturday, the uh, East Tennessee State game, and uh, to do a column, and, and I was asking Derek Mason afterward, as rough as this stretch and this season has been for Vanderbilt, how important it was to be coming off a win going into Tennessee to regain a little confidence for, for guys, especially 
the upperclassmen, and I'm getting into the psychology of this game. Sure. You just mentioned, will Tennessee be too keyed up? Because, you know, they they got to beat Vandy. You know, the, this season's still a disaster at 6-6 six and six with a bowl if they don't go ahead and complete that. That's right. It, it, that it would taint it. Yeah. Yeah. So you got that on their, their end for the psychology. Well, the psychology on Vanderbilt's eyes is every upperclassman on this team, maybe with the exception like a Riley Neal who just transferred in, should feel like they can beat Tennessee because every four-year senior on this team has beaten Tennessee three times. And nobody on this team has ever been on the field and lost to Tennessee. But for the younger guys who maybe haven't experienced that, coming off a win, the confidence means something, I would think. Now, I don't care if it's East Tennessee State or East Popcorn State, which kind of the same thing. But but Vandy needed to not – I mean, if they lost to East Tennessee, it would still be – it would be back to this, is Derek Mason going to be back as the coach thing? And and we probably should discuss that a little more. Yeah, the um, – I, I wanted to get back to that because last week we, we did the podcast, Gentry and I did, about why Derek Mason was retained. And I, I got some pushback this week with what the real reason was, and a lot of people misunderstanding the real reason. These These comparisons of – well, Chad Morris and Derek Mason at, at Arkansas. Well, Bryce Drew and Derek Mason, the Vandy basketball coach. These comparisons, these situations are not the same. Uh, I, I laid out, I, I want to I make this crystal clear to Vandy fans of why Derek Mason was retained for next season. I, I jotted down three quick ones. These are the three reasons. These are not the three reasons that I think he should have been retained or, Tommy, that you think. We're not, we're not throwing our opinions out here. This is me talking to administrators, knowing the background of a lot of the things, my reporting. These are the three reasons he was kept. You can love them or hate them, disagree, or or see the practicality in them, but this is why. Number one of the three, the contract. Bryce Drew had two years left on his contract at about $2 million a year. Derek Mason has at least four, maybe five years on his contract at $3 million a year. It's a, it, it's, it, we don't know what the buyout is, but there is a decent size it's, it's buyout. It's a $15 million decision, probably, more right. or less. It's a, so it's a big contract. And by the way, you're not going to hear Malcolm Turner criticize David Williams, the late David Williams, on this. But David Williams had a contract signed at the end of his tenure, uh, an extension to Derek Mason, you know, kind of the you know the, the pardon at the end of a presidency, so to speak, you know. <laughs> On his way out the door, that's on Malcolm Turner's desk when he arrives, and he inherits that. Now, he knows it coming in, but that's that's not exactly the best situation to, to be given that on day one. Hey, you're inheriting a football coach with a long-term contract. And the reasoning behind that was he's coming off a bowl season. He's beaten Tennessee three years in a row. And yes. He's generally been fairly successful by – by Vanderbilt standards. That's so, right. Go ahead. So number one, contract. It's a tough. Co- it's it's almost he's almost a new coach in terms of contract. Uh, number two, Malcolm Turner's already on the hook for the Jerry Stackhouse hire. You know, Tommy. You know, anytime an AD hires a new coach, that AD's clock starts then on how he is judged. He's already on the clock for Jerry Stackhouse. We'll see how that works out. But now he's on the he'd be on the clock for a new football coach. I don't think he's really in a hurry to have two coaches on his clock. That's number two. Number three, the timetable of the facilities plan. Where they're at right now is they're in the preliminary planning stage. They're trying to figure out what plan they want to do with facilities, stadium, and team facilities. Vandy has been this far before. They have been this far to where 
in the planning stages. Now I got to get the money together and now I got to break ground. A year from now, if things go well, they will be where they have not been before. I think Malcolm Turner thinks it's a whole lot easier to sell to a new coach. We have money and we're for sure going to do this as opposed to we have a plan and I promise you we're going to do it. I promise this time it'll really happen. He's a salesman and I think he looks at a coaching search maybe potentially a year from now as him having a better product to sell than he does now. And all those things under the umbrella of Derek Mason is good enough for another year. You mentioned the three straight wins. You mentioned the two bowls. He's not terrible. He's okay. And for that is is why he got another year. Right. And and let's let's just talk about, you know, going into this final game of the season, a win over Tennessee makes Derek Mason's tenure look four in a row. Another win over Tennessee makes makes it look a little better, more palatable. It would generate at least some excitement going into next season. But there are deep problems that with facilities and other things that are going to have to be addressed. I think personally that Vanderbilt doesn't have so much a Derek Mason problem as Vanderbilt has a Vanderbilt problem. Until Vanderbilt steps up and puts more resources behind football, it's going to have trouble. I, I, I think you're right. I think that's the take that Malcolm Turner is taking. And so a, a lot this offseason and even after the UT game last year, I remember Vandy players, the, the juniors then holding up a three, three in a row. Uh, if they win this time, those seniors get to leave holding up a four. You know, the old fourth quarter, you hold up the four. I could hold up three fingers coming out for the second half and say third quarter's ours. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we'll see if they uh, if it stops at three or if they uh, they hold up a four with four straight. People would feel a lot better about Derek Mason if he won four in a row, but they're a heavy underdog, so they're going to have to have something special they have not shown yet this year. Next year, they will be looking at a new quarterback. Next year, they will be looking at replacing Keyshawn Vaughn, who's not replaceable on the roster as it, as it exists right now. Uh, Kalaja Lipscomb, Pinckney, they better get the fourth now because this they have not beaten Tennessee four times in a row since the 1920s. And Vandy's roster looks maybe worse or the yeah, same next yeah. year, and Tennessee's look looks better. Okay. So that does it for this abbreviated holiday edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you hadn't already. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. You can drop us a review or a rating while you're at it. For Adam Sparks, I am Tommy Dees, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>